Okay, well, welcome back. Um, you know, we, uh, we talked last hour about um, just the reality of our weakness. And, you know, our weakness is not the source of our identity. Our identity is in Christ. But our weakness is the foundation of our dependence on God. And that's where we're going to go this time. So let me just go to the Lord before we start to ask him to open our hearts and speak to us. So, Lord, we come again to you needy, dependent, and trusting. And so, Lord, we pray that in this time that you will keep us awake, help each of us to hear exactly what you intend for us to hear, and give us the strength uh, and the diligence to live under that truth. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are everything we are not, faithfully and completely. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we started this morning talking about two radically, dramatically different kind of days. One kind of day, you wake up and you feel strong. The other kind of day, you really know you're weak. We prefer feeling strong, but we need to embrace and understand our weakness. So I now want to talk about another really common experience. Last night, hopefully, you put your head on a soft pillow. You covered up with soft blankets, at least until you flipped them off at 2 a.m. when you were too hot. I just thought I'll add that on, but that's just, that was extra, okay. Um, you closed your eyes and you drifted off to sleep. Now think about your condition when you were asleep. While you were sleeping, you were not fighting battles. You are not solving problems. You are not vacuuming or cooking. You are not feeling strong. You are basically comatose. Now our physical bodies are wired to require us to sleep at some point and for hopefully close to eight hours out of every 24. We just need to be unconscious and a little bit comatose, disengaged from life's struggles. And there comes a point in our day where we just run out of gas and we climb into bed and we pillow our head and we close our eyes and we go to sleep. So, if that's true physically, how do we do that spiritually and emotionally? How do we rest in the Lord, knowing, yes, I'm utterly dependent upon him, but I can go to sleep, so to speak. I can rest, I can find refuge in his watchful, purposeful, unrelenting care. How do we truly rest in the Lord? Not just collapsing in sheer exhaustion, but just from clawing our way through life, but deliberately turning to him and finding our comfort in him despite the turmoil and chaos around us? How do we, so to speak, pillow our head and find rest and refuge in the Lord? Now, the rest and refuge that God has promised us to us as his children does not mean that every problem is solved and that every hard question has a three-point alliterated answer. It doesn't mean that all our, 
prayers are answered or that we have everything figured out. Psalm 131 expresses this so beautifully. I'm going to read the entire psalm. It's a little short one, but man, is it powerful. Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes arrogant, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. That's most everything. Okay. Um, I have certainly soothed and quieted my soul like a weaned child resting against his mother. My soul within me is like a weaned child. Israel, wait for the Lord from this time on and forever. Some of us saw those two little sweet babies, you know, and just that, that, that thought of just what does a sleeping baby do? He just leans against its mother, as the psalm says, like a weaned child resting against its mother. That's such a picture of really how the Lord wants us to rest in him, like a soothed, weaned child. Now, how can we rest like that in the Lord? Well, if I do that, I must quit spending my energy trying to solve things that, as the psalm says, are too difficult for me. I must quit trying to control what only God controls. I must quit believing that all the solutions depend on me. And I must quit thinking that figuring it out and feeling strong is what I need. A popular author has noted that we long for the attributes of God that are considered incommunicable. We long to be sovereign, almighty, indomitable, powerful, omniscient, and omnipotent. We long for that. We're less interested in being merciful and compassionate, those things that he does want us to share. But here's the truth. We are not sovereign. We are not omnipotent or omniscient. And we need the Lord constantly. Less of me, more dependence on him. I need to believe that God is working while I am sleeping, and that's why I can sleep. I need to believe that God is trustworthy when my world is shaking. I need to believe that God has the strength I do not have. I need to believe that God will give me the peace I need no matter my circumstances. I need to believe that God will be my refuge on every kind of day. Basically, I need God. <laughs> Isaiah 26.3 You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You know, we don't talk about our weakness to wear it like a badge or get stuck there. We don't wear our neediness in a way that seeks sympathy and just wearies everybody around us. <laughs> the goal of coming to terms with our frailty and weakness is not self-deprecation or a pity party or seeking sympathy uh, or praise from other people who will tell us otherwise. <laughs> God doesn't expose our weakness to cast us down in despair or have us cower before the impossibilities that surround us. No. We own our weakness to turn our hearts to seek God's strength. Our strength is limited, fleeting, and never enough. Now, how do we develop 
spiritual muscle as we live in this world. Well, it's, there's reps. You know when you go to the gym, I, or I hear about people that go to the gym, <laughs> that they do reps to develop muscles, right? And so here's basically the rep that God leads us into. We face something that's heavier than we can lift, bigger than we can solve. We seek God. We trust him. We depend on him to provide what we need. We experience his faithfulness whether or not the problem disappears as I think it should or when I think it should. He bears my burden, not always by removing it, but sometimes just by carrying me through it in his strength. And I praise him. So here's the exercise that helps us develop spiritual muscle. And we're going to learn this with hand motions, okay? So here we go. Um, I have a burden. I give it to God. He carries it and I praise him. Let's do it again, okay? I have a burden. I give it to God. He carries it, and I praise him. One more time. I have a burden. I give it to God. He carries it, and I praise him. That is the rep that teaches us spiritual muscle. And with each repetition, I learn that God is faithful, and I experience it's his strength, not my own, that accomplishes his work. And you know what? We get lots of chances to do that. We get burdens with our kids, our marriages, our income, our emotions, our lives, so many things. But here's the deal. God's strength is so much more wonderful than our own. God's strength is so much more wonderful than our own. We are not as strong as we think we are, and God is stronger than we think he is. You know, we have acknowledged and kind of circled around a little bit our perpetual state of neediness and God's purpose in us recognizing how much we must depend on him. And for the rest of our time today, we're just going to gaze at God. We're going to think about what it means to put our weakness in healthy perspective with who he is and his strength and what his purpose for us. He is not just showing us we are weaklings so that we will feel weak. He exposes our neediness to unveil the pride that dominates our heart and all the things we depend on apart from him and to show us and let us experience that he is absolutely the thing we need the most he is everything we need. He is everything we need. So there are four things that we're going to talk about that really help us put our weakness and God's strength into a healthy perspective. Number one, recognize God's heart. Recognize God's heart. You know, God created you just exactly the way he intended. You know, when you were formed in your mother's womb, God didn't look down and say, oops. <laughs> nope. He designed you exactly the way he intended. Your strengths and your weaknesses are perfectly placed so that you can shine forth his glory. Remember, he put the cracks in your clay pot in exactly the right places so that his light will shine through you. He designed for you 
the things that will come naturally easy, and the ways you will uniquely struggle. And not only did he create you the way he intended, he today, this week, this month, this year, is orchestrating your life intentionally in a way that will draw you to himself. God will never say, I didn't see that coming. He intentionally, lovingly, gently provides and designs, designs situations and circumstances that will force you to quantify your lacks and recognize how much you need his strength. I love the scene at the feeding of the 5,000 when, you know, this huge crowd and it's like lunchtime and I think, you know, above the, the roar of the crowd, you hear grumbling stomachs and Jesus says, you know, these people, they're hungry. Hey, disciples, what are you going to do? And they're like, ah. You know, they get out their calculators and they're like, you know, five fish, two, I mean, we're just kidding. So they, they got the chance to quantify the, their lack. And then what did Jesus do? You bring me that little pitiful lunch and I'm going to multiply it and feed people in ways that you didn't see coming. And I think God lovingly lets us get out our need calculators pretty frequently so that we can say I don't have it but Lord my hands are empty but I'm raising those hands to you and asking you to do what only you can do your current struggle and every struggle in your life is not random it's an opportunity God has custom designed for you so that you can experience how he is strong where you are not. So God's heart in our lives and who we are, how he created us, what we face, is benevolent. God loves you. He only wants what's best for you. And he has demonstrated that in the most undeniably spectacular way. He rescued you when you were his avowed enemy. He did not withhold anything, even his own son, from paying the price that it took to deliver you from enslavement to sin and an eternity of the punishment that you deserved. He's preparing a home for you in glory where sin and tears and pain and death and challenges cannot enter. And until then, he works in your circumstances to soften your heart and propel you forward. God is incomparably compassionate about your weaknesses. He understands the truth about you better than you do. And he doesn't turn away from you, not ever. Not ever. In fact, he leans in. He draws you near. He holds you close. Jesus just keeps saying, come, come, come. Come when you're weary. Come when you're joyful. Come when it's hard. Come when it feels momentarily easy. Come on every kind of day. From Jeremiah 31, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you 
with unfailing kindness, I will build you up again. <laughs> God's heart toward us, he is not capricious. He is compassionate. He is benevolent. He is loving always, always, always. So a right view of God's posture toward you is the right place to start. Recognize God's heart toward you. But then, secondly, understand God's sufficiency. We've kind of talked about the kind of endless neediness that keeps erupting up in us as we navigate life and live the Christian life. So, I mean, our neediness feels kind of unlimited, doesn't it? But you know what else is unlimited? Right alongside that, our neediness is unlimited, but so is God's sufficiency. God is not like us. He doesn't get tired. We run out of gas. We are weak. God does not. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? <laughs> the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even though youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God's sufficiency. God is always enough. In fact, God is more than enough. Now, the sufficiency we need and experience from God may not be a fully solved catastrophe. <laughs> it may just be a conscious awareness of a truth about him that enriches our lives in a personal and practically meaningful way. It may be a fresh experience and realization of his presence and his pleasure and his power at a time when you reckon one of his promises is specifically true today. The sufficiency God offers <laughs> comes from this inexhaustible warehouse of riches and the fullness of his person. God is not depleted when he shows you grace. He's got more grace. His grace is like there's a fresh supply of grace every single day. Every morning when you get your head off that pillow, you get up to a fresh supply of grace. It's both inexhaustible and fresh every single day. Our God is a God who knows no limits and can accomplish and will accomplish everything in his righteous plan. There is no power in heaven, on earth, or in hell that can thwart him. And his promises give us strength for today and it's enough. It's more than enough. I think God just loves it when we abide in moment-by-moment moment dependence upon him. You know, we stress a lot about tomorrow's trouble and often want an advance on tomorrow's grace. <laughs> but God has enough. He'll wake up tomorrow and his inexhaustible grace and mercy will meet you, whatever you face. 
I like to think of, you know, you see parents walking with a little 18-month-old toddler, and the little toddler just stand there kind of holding up their hand, just, you know, waddling along, and they're not going like, well, where are we going, or what are we having for lunch, and, you know, I mean, they just hold their parent's hand and walk, and in a sense, that's what God wants us to do. Just trust him, hold his hand, walk on with him, and when my strength feels depleted before the day is done, and often it will, I can know that in that moment, in that time, in that space, that God intentionally wants me to recognize my frailty in a spiritually productive way. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He is the one who makes our feet like that of a sure-footed deer who stands on the heights, who treads over the mountains, not under them. How strong and sufficient is God's righteous right hand? Strong enough every single time, every single time. So we also, number three, want to experience God's faithfulness. Our weakness, our frailty, our neediness allows us to experience God's faithfulness. Now, let's understand, our experiences do not make what is true about God any truer. It does not. God doesn't need our experience to validate his person and character. However... (laughs) What, you know, he allows us to experience that it is true. What is true about God is true whether or not I understand, feel it, know it, or believe it. It's just true. But when I experience that God is enough in an intimate and personal way, I grow a little bit in my understanding of what's true about him. It's experienced. It's the difference between looking at a menu and eating the food. We get to experience it. Have you ever been amazed by the testimony of someone who has battled a super painful loss that they can't even describe? They can honestly talk about their pain, but at the end of the day, they will always tell you, a faithful believer, that it was God who held them up. Most of the time, God did not meet their truly desperate need with platitudes or some kind of sterile truth. In those moments, it was the Holy Spirit who brought inexplicable calm, the strength to draw another breath or take the next step. Maybe God sent a friend at a precise moment. They had what they needed, a resource, the next step, Bible verse, at just the right time, just in time. And they recognized that it was God who gave that grace. One of my very best friends at work um, was at her desk one morning, and she got a call that her 43-year-old daughter, a single mother of three, had died in her sleep. A one-year-old was asleep in a crib. A three-year-old was running around the house, and the six-year-old son found her cell phone and called her dad. 
And as my friend Barb left work to begin to drive to the scene of this tragedy that changed their lives forever, almost inexplicably, she began to sing. And she sang a song she had learned in childhood. It just sprang to her heart, to her mind, and she found her voice as she sang this. In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the way long. And in the years since then, Barb and her husband have walked a painful path that's really only gotten more painful. And she continues to just exalt God's faithfulness. And one of the things she says, and I think it's the most meaningful to me, is that all the years she spent studying God's word and singing truth about God, it was like this reservoir that was in her heart. And at the right moment, at the right time, the right words, the right scripture just comes up out of that reservoir to meet her need in that moment. She has not stood strong because she is strong. God has held her up because he is strong. God leads his dear children along. You know, we don't stand strong by trying to be strong. We stand strong by knowing God is strong. God wants us to know what is true, but in his grace, he allows us to experience what is true. <laughs> Lamentations 3 22 and 23, such a well-loved verse. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So we want to recognize God's heart, his benevolent heart toward us. We want to understand God's sufficiency that every need we have, he can meet. And we want to experience his faithfulness can you cry and trust God at the same time? Yes. You can sob and pray. You can trust through trauma. Is God faithful no matter what life brings? He is. And then fourth, we want to seek God's glory. You know, this is often where faith must kick in. <laughs> Not that I wish it were so kind of pretend, pious, optimistic, kind of thing, but that I know it is so faith. I know it is so faith. Because as people know who they are in Christ, and they recognize the wonder of salvation, and they know that we live in this world as sojourners heading for our heavenly home, but not there yet, we have to learn that God's glory matters more than our comfort. God's glory matters more than our understanding. God's glory matters more than anything else. You know, to glorify God, what does that mean, really? It means to pull back the curtain and expose who God is. 
to seek to make him known and to marvel at his marvelousness. You know, we cannot glorify God in ourselves at the same time. We cannot pretend to be strong and demonstrate that God is mighty. We cannot pretend to control what God controls and give him glory. So we recognize his heart. We understand his sufficiency. We experience his faithfulness and we seek his glory. So what circumstance, relationship, or challenge is leaving you feeling the most helpless today? Where do you feel the most vulnerable? What answers do you need that you don't have? What problem do you face that is way bigger than your brain and emotions can handle? (laughs) What battle with sin kind of relentlessly strips you of any sense of spiritual victory? I wonder if, like my friend Barb, (laughs) we learned a really big truth a really long time ago when we were little. I had to think about this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him belong. Say it with me. We are weak, but he is strong. I'm happy to be a little one because I have a really, really big God. I'm fine if I am weak because my God is strong. I can be content feeling small, recognize my weakness, and finding refuge in God's strength. I've been thinking a lot about, um, this has been an interesting couple of years for me, and uh, just this year I had one of those birthdays that's divisible by five. I'll let you figure that out. and you, you, you think, you know, by this point in my life, I mean, I really should have learned some things. God's been faithful to me. He's given me blessings and opportunities, good teaching and church fellowship, and just I could go on and on. You know, there should be some sort of spiritual maturity, right? So then I look at my life, and I'm like, why do I still wake up? Sometimes find, struggling to find the words I need to say to God or pray or how trying to analyze my situations and have anything wise or discerning about it. And I think I've come to realize that spiritual maturity is not having so much figured out. Spiritual maturity is just knowing we don't and that God does. It's recognizing I am still a little one who is weak and frail and needy. I am older, but I am still needy. If I never understand what God is doing in my hardship, it is okay because I can trust his plan. If what hurts helps me learn what matters, to God be the glory. God's power is so much more wonderful than ours. (laughs) God made you weak in all the right places to show you that he is strong. So pillow your head and rest in him on every kind of day. Find peace and refuge in him. Embrace how much you need him willingly 
even joyfully. God is strong. He is mighty. We are not. And at the end of that, to God be the glory. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come um, just confessing how much we need you. The God who did not hold back his son to meet our greatest need, along with him will freely give us all things. So Lord, help us understand who you are. Help us recognize your sufficiency. Lord, help us experience your faithfulness. Would your glory matter more than our comfort? Lord, help us walk with you with each day's tailor-made opportunities to come to the end of ourselves and to cast ourselves upon you, the God of eternity, the God of omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, eternal power, unfailing love. Would we experience your love would we know you have made us uniquely and designed our lives specifically in ways to show your glory and reveal yourself to us. And Lord, would we offer a testimony of your faithfulness no matter what life brings to a watching world? Would we give up trying to parade strength we don't have and just lift our hands to you, offering you our weakness and trusting your strength? For you are strong, you are mighty. There is nothing you cannot do. Your plans will never be thwarted. For all eternity, we will never run out of words to praise you because your praise and the, your character is limitless in its beauty and magnificence. Lord, help us marvel at your marvelousness constantly. So Lord, I commit these women to you. Each and every one has some sort of challenge that is stressing their sense of comfort. But Lord, would they find very specific ways to lean into you and experience your enabling strength. And we ask this in Jesus' name.